Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm, I'm Nick, and uh, I'm part of the, um, the Oak Church here. Um, I'm married to Faye, and we have uh, three young daughters. Um, you might have seen them running around, tripping up, um, that kind of thing. Um, so apologies for that. Um, I don't know if you have uh, much experience or contact with sheep. Possibly, possibly not. To be honest, I'm not an expert on sheep. Um, I didn't grow up on a, on a farm, um, and uh, I certainly don't have the same experience as, as a nomadic shepherd uh, in the Middle East, uh, which is actually the context um, for, for t- today's passage uh, and the context that many in Israel would have been aware of. My experience of sheep is limited to, to perhaps trying to get, get through a field of them and avoiding the poo as I walk past, um, and also sometimes visiting them with my daughters to try and entertain them for a morning. Um, although, to be honest, at the moment, their favourite animals are zebras and pigs, which are trickier to, to see at the, at the farm. But. Um, there's actually, when I was looking into sheep, there's actually three things about sheep that... Um, you know, you might be aware of already, but um, I thought I'd kind of run through. Firstly, sheep are, are incredibly dumb. Um, I actually read about a news story in Turkey, which goes like this. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. (laughs) Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss to local farmers was estimated at $74,000. Can you imagine it? One sheep wandered off a cliff, and the other, 1,499, followed after the first sheep, not looking ahead to see the danger. The only reason that any survived was that the first 400 provided a big fluffy cushion for the others. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous, but the point is that sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. Secondly, sheep are directionless. They are prone to kind of wander around and get lost. Did you know that even if you put sheep in a perfect environment, you know, with uh, green pastures and still waters, Sooner or later, they will just wander off. Um, And if a shepherd doesn't manage and keep them under constant surveillance, they'll just wander off and get lost. Thirdly, sheep are defenseless. Perhaps not in our modern day farms, but certainly in ancient times, the environment for sheep was that of, of a kind of wilderness place, a place of danger, potential challenge on every side. Um, Left in the wild to themselves, sheep won't last long. Most animals can either fight or run off. What about a sheep? What do they do when they see a predator coming towards them? Maybe a a lion or maybe a wolf. Um, They don't have any fangs. They don't have any venom. They don't have any claws. They've got nothing to protect themselves. Well, maybe they'll run away. Well, unfortunately, they're not very fast either, and they're not very agile. What do they do then, sheep? Well, actually, they kind of flock together. And so when a wolf approaches, they kind of gather together and they run around in a bit of a panic. They run in circles, just hoping that maybe the wolf will choose someone else and not them. Without a shepherd to protect them, they'll be scattered and then eaten one by one. So then God, which we'll we'll come to in this passage, God comparing us to sheep, 
It's not really a compliment. <laughs> but what it is, it's a realistic assessment of who we are and what we need. We are sheep who are completely dependent upon a shepherd. To say that we are like that, to say we are sheep in need of a shepherd is actually to humble ourselves, to admit what is true about us and our need for a good shepherd to guide us and protect us. And I start today with, with a look at sheep because we are carrying on today in the passage about the good shepherd which James started on last week. Um, before we do that, though, and before we kind of get stuck into the passage, I want us to kind of take a step back and remind us of the context that we're in. This passage actually ends this section of John, which we've been looking at over the last several weeks, that of the healing of the blind man on the Sabbath, um, some of the conversations afterwards, um, and uh, it concludes here with the parable of the good shepherd, which James started last week, and, and I'm continuing on this week. So apologies if you were here last week and, and there's a little bit of overlap, but uh, yeah, we're, that's, where, that's where we're starting. And, and actually today I want to start at the end of today's passage. So um, the end of today's passage is actually verses 19 to 21, um, and it starts like this. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus divides people. As we engage with God through his word this morning, I'd like you to be asking yourself, where do you see yourself? Who is Jesus? What do you think about him? So then as we look together at today's passage, we're going to dive into two key images, which I've kind of seen in the, uh, in the verses that we're looking through. One of them is, is that of Jesus as the good shepherd who knows his sheep and whose sheep know him, just as the Father knows me and he knows the Father. And then secondly, that of Jesus, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. So I'll just briefly pray together and then we'll, we'll dive into the, pas- the rest of the passage. Um, Father, thank you um, that we can come to you this morning as our good shepherd. I pray that you'd bless um, the words that we listen to this morning and that you would speak to us. Lord, we are ready to, to hear what you have to say to us. Amen. So, um, so we're going to start back at the beginning of, of today's passage now. So verse 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'll just pause there. Um, So for this first part of the passage, we've got four characters here. The good shepherd, the sheep, the hired hands, and the wolf. And the story is this. The sheep are in danger because the wolf is coming. The hired hands, they run away when they see the danger, whereas in contrast, the good shepherd lays down his life, puts his life on the line, sacrifices himself for the sheep. 
And Jesus here is identifying himself and saying that he is the good shepherd. As we considered just a moment ago, God's people are the sheep. And here it is clear that Jesus is challenging the Pharisees, the church leaders, or so the, the leaders of the Jewish people, as being the hired hands. They don't really care. And in terms of the wolf, it's not exactly clear what the wolf represents, but perhaps it's the enemy, or perhaps the challenges in this world, perhaps it's our sin, or perhaps it's death itself. But whoever the wolf is, it certainly helps to contrast the hired hands with the good shepherd. The hired hands don't care, and they're running away, whereas Jesus, the good shepherd, goes out and meets that danger, and if necessary, takes upon himself the fate that would otherwise have fallen on the sheep. And we know, looking forward in the story, that in Jesus' case, that it was necessary, and that he did do that. Without Jesus, we are lost, wandering around in the wilderness of our sin, and we're defenseless against the ultimate big bad wolf, our greatest enemy, death itself. We need a savior to lay down his life and stand in our place. And Jesus was willing, and Jesus actually did that. He took the punishment for our sin. We can be forgiven, and we can find eternal life and roam in these green pastures and besides those still waters. Um, So continuing um, with um, the text, the next verse is, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd then, Jesus, knows his sheep as well as he knows his own Father. We're going to be examining that theme in a little bit. And again, it says here, the the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And moving on to the next verse. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Here then the story talks about sheep from a different sheep pen. And the meaning here is that the original sheep are Israel. And as per the message throughout the Bible... God's heart was always for the sake of the whole world. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the other sheep are those from every other nation that God intends to bring into his one flock. The Jewish Messiah is to become the Lord and shepherd of the whole world. And in the final few verses, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Uh, And there's three brief things I want to pick up here as well. Firstly, we see a link between Jesus laying down his life and the father's love and the father's command. Jesus here is laying down his life for his sheep as the ultimate expression of and demonstration of the Father's love for us. Secondly, we also see that in Jesus laying down his life of his own accord, that Jesus is not a victim of his own death. It's his plan, it's his purpose. And in Jesus' authority to take it up again, we also see the hope of resurrection. 
Yes, Jesus laid down his life for us, but that was not the last word. Jesus had the power to take up his life again and defeat the power of death. So then, as I mentioned at the beginning, I want to pick up on two key themes from this passage. The first one is the good shepherd who knows his sheep. So from, from, um, from today, that was verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And there's also a couple of verses from last week, verses three and four. The sheep listen to his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. One of the most amazing things about God is that he sees us and he knows us. Some of my favorite stories in the Bible are of just that. In Genesis, um, there's a story of the woman Hagar and, and she calls God the God who sees. In the Gospels, there's stories where Jesus sees Nathaniel sitting under the tree and there's also one where Jesus sees Zacchaeus sitting in the tree. Um, but yeah, these are just amazing stories of how Jesus sees us and knows us. I don't know how good you are with names, but I do know that when someone calls me by names, when someone says my name, I feel really valued and seen and known. And also that when I get someone else's name wrong, I feel very embarrassed. Um, I don't know if it's common for dads, but uh, even when I do know the difference between my two daughters, because I've, I've got twin, uh, identical twins, um, even when I do know the names, their names, I still say the wrong name. Uh, but it's getting to a stage where, uh, where now if I do that, they, they say, silly daddy. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if it, that's why other people say the wrong names as well. But um, I also feel like it must be uh, very challenging for teachers. Uh, every year, um, you've got to new, learn all the new names of your class. Um, when I was a teacher, I used a seating plan to, to help me. Um, I, was, I was a secondary school teacher, so I had lots and lots of different classes and, and names to learn. So I, I got a, a seating plan together to kind of help me think, oh, they sit there, that's, that's their name, um, which, which kind of worked to an extent. Just it was if you were in the other side of the room, then, then you're a bit stuck. Or if they switch seats, then also you're a bit stuck. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, though, knowing someone's name doesn't necessarily mean that you really know them. Just as a teacher, I might have memorized people's names. It didn't really mean that I knew them. When I was a student at university, I heard that the JCR president had memorized every single name of every student in the college, which, which in my college was about 250 of the new students. Um, I wasn't really sure whether that was true or not, but in my final term as a first year, have, having not met her or spoken to her, um, I was really surprised that when I opened the door for her one time, um, she said, thanks, Nick. Um, I, was, I was impressed by that, but, but even though she, she sort of said my name, she didn't really know me. Um, however, Jesus knows our names and he knows us. He knows us, as it says here, as he knows the Father. Psalm 131 says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. It's amazing, isn't it, that even though we're just sheep, he knows us. He knows our mistakes, our wondering. He knows that we are weak. As the good shepherd, he knows each one of us. We are his sheep. He knows us and he loves us. He sees us and he pursues us. And that that pursuit of me, that pursuit of us, is something that I've been reflecting on recently. Um, I've been listening to a couple of um, of worship songs. Um, One of them has the, the phrase, you won't relent until you have it all. And the other one is, where can I run? Where can I hide that you're not there? And you know my heart, all of my thoughts. I can't outrun your love. I can't get away. I find it amazing just how jealous God is for me. He knows everything about me. He pursues me. And he's jealous for me, for for my life fully committed to him. Both that he initially found me and saved me. But as I walk this life as a Christian, he continues to pursue me. He knows me and just what I need. And he invites me deeper, deeper and deeper into life with him. Deeper and deeper, he shows me my weaknesses, but deeper and deeper, he shows me my dependence on him and also how much he loves me and how he he leads me onwards. I wonder if, if that feels a bit daunting for you, that he sees you, that he really knows you, both your good sides, but also your bad side too. Both the person that you show in front of others but also the person that you are behind, the, behind closed doors. There's nothing you've done or will do that he doesn't already know about. I don't know if that scares you, but I want to re- remind you that it's not like the song about Santa. He sees when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. It's, that, that's not what Jesus is like. He's not watching over us, ready to point a finger. He does know everything about us, but he loves us. And he's inviting us not to hide, but to allow him to shepherd us back to the flock and back to those green pastures. I think it's amazing that amidst the wilderness that we live in, and sometimes it does feel hard, it does feel dangerous. Maybe it does feel that we've got terror on every side at the moment. Yet Jesus comes alongside us as a shepherd comes alongside his sheep. He knows us and loves us. So, so he knows us and loves I mean, you might be thinking, so what? So what if he knows me? Well, I believe that being fully known, being seen, being fully understood and accepted is, is actually one of the deepest longings in every human heart. There's no need to explain yourself, no need to justify yourself or put up a pretense. As we experience God knowing us, and receiving his transformative work in us, we can come to every human interaction with nothing to hide, nothing to fear, and nothing to prove. So then we'll we'll move on to the the sort of second theme of today, which is um, the good shepherd who lays down his life. Jesus, as our good shepherd, not only demonstrates that he knows us, but 
he truly demonstrates his love for us through the laying down of his life. How amazing that the good shepherd would actually lay down his life for the sheep, those dumb sheep, those defenseless and directionless sheep. When I first became a Christian, one of the verses that was so powerful to me was um, this, this verse from Romans chapter 5, verse 7 to 8. It says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I realized that, that God searched for me, loved me, and laid down his life for me whilst I was still a sinner whilst I was still getting things wrong and messing up. It wasn't up to me to sort out my life, sort out all my problems before coming to God, but I just had to realize who I was and come to him as I am. And that, that's one of the messages here. We don't need to be anyone special or do anything special to receive God's love, for him to lay down his life for us. He lays down his life for his sheep. And for us, it's simply about coming to God as we are and receiving his love. He lays down his life for us. Max Lucado, who's an American author and theologian, said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. Our greatest need is forgiveness. And sending Jesus as the good shepherd who laid down his life for us, God made a way. As I mentioned earlier, without Jesus, we are, we are lost, wandering around in the wilderness, in the wilderness of our sin. And we're defenseless against that ultimate big bad wolf, death itself. We need a savior to lay down his life and stand in our place. And Jesus was willing, and Jesus actually did that. He took the punishment for our sin. We can be forgiven, and we can find eternal life. We can roam those green pastures and still waters. And that invitation is always open to you. If you've heard this for the first time or for the hundredth time, if you've never come to Jesus as, as you are, you are welcome this morning. You are invited. Jesus will lay down his life for you. All you have to do is come to him as you are. It's such a contrast here, and deliberately so, between the hired hand, who when things get hard, abandons the sheep, and in, in doing so demonstrates that he didn't really love the sheep, and with the good shepherd who sacrifices himself even to the point of death for his sheep. Jesus will never run away like the hired hand. Jesus will never let us down. I don't know if you've been tracking the, the Bible in one year that we've been reading together as a church. Um, you might know that we're currently working through the book written by the prophet Ezekiel. And if you're if you read your passage very early in the morning you, or, and before church, you might have uh, seen that there's some echoes in today's passage. By the way, I, I don't usually read my passage before church, um, just to, to let you know. Um, 
Yeah, you might have seen some echoes in today's passage from Ezekiel chapter 34 with the words that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees about shepherds. If you haven't read it, then it's a bit of a spoiler alert coming up. So, um, so in Ezekiel 34, the prophet actually speaks a woe to the shepherds of Israel. He says that they only take care of themselves. They haven't strengthened the weak. They haven't healed the sick or bound up the injured. They haven't brought back the strays or sought the lost. God says that he is against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for the flock and will remove them from tending the flock. And instead, God himself promises. He says, I will search for my sheep and look after them. I will tend them in a good pasture. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. And then he concludes, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. There's no doubt that when Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in today's passage, they will have seen the parallels here in Ezekiel 34, and they would have been offended by Jesus's direct challenge of their leadership. Let's think of that that third character then, the sheep, us. What's our role as sheep? What should we do when it feels like there's danger on every side, when the wolf feels like it's getting closer? What do we do when life is hard, when tragedy strikes, when you really, really need help? Um, I've got a couple of uh, slides to kind of indicate a couple of ways that that we might act. Um, Perhaps uh, we run around in circles panicking, like like, uh, Lance Corporal Jones would say in Dad's Army. Um, I I occasionally do that sometimes if I'm I'm in particularly stressful situations. Um, Perhaps we, we... I'm trying to think, well, let's put this thing up. Perhaps... We're very dependent, and we never, never ask for help. We ne- like, I don't know if it's particularly true of men, but we don't like to ask for directions when we're lost. Um, so that, maybe that's your response. You, 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 you never ask for help. You're very dependent on yourself. You think to yourself, maybe like the world says, um, you think, oh, you know, I, I better depend on myself. I better toughen up. Be strong. Be independent. Don't depend on anyone else. You are dependable. You can do it. Perhaps, and I don't have a picture for this one, but perhaps we look to other things for protection. Maybe we look to our friends, our family, our work, our entertainment, security. As the sheep, our task is to look to the only dependable one for help. God may not always offer the kind of protection from the world that we think we need. Bad things still do happen to us. But the good shepherd is always with us. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will not run away. He is dependable. And he will. It is right for us to depend on him. Um, I think I'm, you know, I, I mentioned I sometimes panic, but I also think I, I sometimes I'm like this as well. Uh, I, I, I kind of... I want to be seen to be dependent. I, I, I normally try to do things in my own strength. Uh, and, and God has been encouraging me recently um, to not be so de- uh, independent, but to try and be more honest when things are hard. 
Um, and to be honest with you, even, even earlier this week, um, I did get to a point when I was finding that things were really hard. Um, you know, sort of the challenges of being a, a dad for three young children, you know, hard things at work, um, just kind of other situations. Um, and, and I kind of got to the point when I just felt, you know, I want to share this with my life group. Um, so I kind of sent a message to them, um, kind of brought it to God. And I, and I kind of, I think that sometimes that's the hardest point to, to get to that point where we think, actually, life is really hard. Actually, I, I do want to ask for help here rather than trying to do things all ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, when I brought it to my life group, I really felt heard and listened by them. And when I brought that need before God, um, I, was, I was led to the song... Um, which has the lyrics, I need you more than yesterday, more than words can say, I need you, Lord. Uh, And it just reminded me of that truth that we are sheep, that we are to be dependent on God, that we do need him. Jesus is the only one who we can fully trust and who can save us. And, you know, going back to that picture, it is a bit ridiculous, really. Should, Should a shepherd really lay down his life for his sheep? Are they really worth that? And for the hired hand, it, the answer is no. They are only sheep. And, and for, for those hired hands, their own lives were more important for themselves. Why, why would they lay that down their lives for the sheep? Yet for Jesus, the amazing, beautiful, good shepherd, that is exactly what he does. Jesus lays down his life for us. Um, so then, um, as amazing as, as we see God's love for us displayed in the picture... There are some challenges and some questions that I also see here. And I think the Pharisees, um, as well as being, being offended by that picture of Ezekiel 34 that I described, I think there's a, there's a couple of other challenges that I want to pick out. Firstly, how can this Jesus really be the good shepherd, the Messiah, the one from God who is coming to really shepherd his people? that king that they were expecting and hoping for, surely it couldn't be this Jesus, this same one, remember, who healed somebody on the Sabbath. You don't do that. The one who's arguing with them about who he is and comparing himself to God. And also, would would the long-awaited king really lay down his life? It's offensive, isn't it, that Jesus is saying that he will lay down his life. I think the Pharisees were, were possibly expecting a triumphant Messiah who would come and save them and liberate them from the Romans and give them their land and be their king. But Jesus wasn't like that. And Jesus, in the Good Shepherd story, doesn't describe a shepherd like that. Why couldn't he have just killed the wolf in that story? It's offensive to us as well that our all-powerful God is so weak or appears so weak that he chooses to lay down his life. It's amazing, isn't it, that the death's not thrust upon him, but that he actually chooses that step. And he also invites others, invites us, to follow him into that kind of life. And that, that is it as well. That's another challenge for us. He calls us to imitate him, to live our own lives like that. I don't think he calls many of us to, to sacrifice our lives in death in the same way, But he does call us, um, as it says in Romans 12, to live our lives as a living sacrifice for him, to be weak, to be dependent, to follow in his footsteps. And then secondly, another challenge that I've I've seen through reading this. If he's laid down his life for us, why does it not always feel like that? I thought the shepherd was supposed to lead us to green pastures and still waters, 
but it doesn't always feel like that. Maybe often we feel that the, the wolf is lurking so close to us and that we're in the middle of the wilderness with no one around to help us. I don't know if that's how you feel some of the time, a lot of the time. We kind of wish that, that God would airlift us out of our troubles, but that's not really what happens in the story. It is true, though, that Jesus did lay down his life and that in his death and resurrection, he did defeat death. There will be a time when we can really roam free in those green pastures and beside those still waters without any wolves in sight. The reality, though, is that we still live in those times where it can feel like that danger is there, that there are those wolves lurking. And sometimes we might be thinking, where is God in this? I thought that he'd lay down his life for me, but I can't see him. I can't feel him. The truth is, though, that he is always with us, and he draws particularly close to us in those dangerous times, even though it doesn't always feel like that. And I think the, the challenge of, of faith, faith is, is believing something that is true even when we don't feel it all the time. And that, that's, our, you know, that's our challenge to kind of really trust that when God says he is the good shepherd, he has laid down his life for us, that that, that is true. So then that, that kind of draws us back to those final verses of today's passage, which I, I kind of started with. We've got that some people are divided. And Jesus' parables always seem to do that. Um, so as I sum, sum up the kind of three, the three things that we've been looking at, really, my prayer is that we would see Jesus as the good shepherd, that we would be in awe of him, and that this, this would lead us into worship. I pray that the challenges that we might hear, that, that that would also bring us deeper into him to ask him those questions and to bring those challenges to him. So then the three things we've looked at, one we started just looking at um, us as sheep, dumb, directionless, and defenseless. We need a, a shepherd. We're supposed to be dependent on God, which goes against the culture of the world, which says, be, be dependent on yourself. But that's not our real identity. We're supposed to be dependent on God. It's amazing that God would love us, but there was a challenge here to be dependent on God and to come to him as we are. Secondly, we looked at the, um, as a good shepherd, uh, the good shepherd knows us. He knows his sheep. He knows our names. He really sees us and loves us. He knows all of our dreams and passions. He knows all of our hopes and fears, all of our joys and sorrows. He sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And that's amazing that, that God knows us. We don't need to prove anything. There's also a challenge here as well that Maybe we want to hide. Maybe we don't want God to see the depths of our hearts. Thirdly, then, we looked at um, the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. This is the way that Jesus ultimately demonstrates that he really lives, loves us. He laid down his life by choice. He demonstrated the Father's love for us. And by his own authority, he is able to raise himself up again. And that's amazing that... Uh, amidst the troubled times that we live in, Jesus laid down his life for us in comparison to so many other things that we can't depend on. The challenge here, there are a couple of bits. One was that if God is so powerful, why, why does he lay down his life? Couldn't he just have killed the wolf? Um, and, and perhaps it's offensive to us that an all-powerful God appears so weak and that he calls us to follow him into that kind of life. 
And then the second challenge was, why doesn't God airlift us out of trouble? He laid down his life for us. And, and there will be a time when we can really roam free without any walls in sight. However, the reality is that we live in the time where it does feel like there's danger all around. I thought he laid down his life for us, but I can't see him. Maybe that's one of your questions you've got. Can we really trust in God's protection for, for us right now? So there you go. Um, that question I had at the start. Um, what do you think about Jesus? What kind of Jesus are you hoping for? And will you allow him to be your good shepherd? Um, I'll just invite the, uh, the band back up and I'll, I'll just, just pray to close us. Um, thank you, God, for this, um, this story of your love for us. Thank you that you know us and that you laid down your life for us. Pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Amen.